Testing, testing, oh, one, we've two. We've got it. La, la, la. la, 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 la. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I did not give you the voice of the angel, Mike. <laughs> I fall in love just a little, a little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new. Hey everybody and welcome to the Remodeled Love Podcast. I am your polyamorous mama, Jessica Lovety Day Lover. And with me as always, the scoby to my Lipton tea, <laughs> Dati Day Lover. The blackberry flavoring to the kombucha. Y'all, if we could ship this Bike Joe Booch across the world, ugh, y'all would love it. And also with me as always, the wet wipe to my rogue booger. <laughs> <laughs> it's my meta ash day lover i mean we have wet wipes i've just been using my hands i know you and dati just go straight in for the kid boogers like let me just get this off your nose yeah, yeah. i mean it's just you gotta have no fear than, like on my pants yeah totally <laughs> just like boogers on the couch and in the studio for the first time ever it's my baby the chicken to my patsy you Dr. M. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, hey, it is. Uh, yesterday was our one-year anniversary, and I intended to have you on the podcast at some point in the last 365 days, um, but you're here now. Yeah, this would have been a cool second date. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that ship sailed <laughs> we can oh, pretend oh you said you were gonna be funny that was so funny um <laughs> that's the bar now okay can you pull Datty down just the teeniest little bit now his mic sounds better than everybody's <laughs> lo and behold yeah okay so here's the thing last year best and worst year of our lives oh easily yeah so what we're going to have to try to do is catch everybody up. Um, so we released four episodes of the podcast last year, and that's really how you know our life was. We were fucking dying, drowning. <laughs> right. We used to have seasons for our podcast, and if we had kept that, the season title would be We're Drowning. Yeah. Yeah. I would have just left season three at these four episodes. And it just would have been an four. ellipses, dot, dot, dot. There would have been no title. Yeah, so we did four episodes last year, and one of them I had recorded it in 2022 and just got around to editing and releasing. So really, we recorded three last year. We introduced Ash also a year late. Right? Yeah. No. No. It was pretty late. It was the end of the... Was it the end of the year? It says it was released near my birthday of this year. So that was almost a year from Damn. <laughs> was that the only episode I did? Yeah. Well, we had to catch everyone up on the entire story from the beginning because that's how long it had been. Because we had left <sighs> off with me like about to have this birthday orgy and then... Yeah. <laughs> Which we've never <laughs> recapped. Which I, I, there's just so much great content that is just lost in, and it's so interesting if you've been following this podcast from the beginning, it's like, I'm pregnant, that we have this baby, and then we're like, um, guys, this isn't going super well. <laughs> we're kind of getting our grills <laughs> fucked over here. And then we just like, disappear. Cricket. Into the medical industrial complex. Yeah. We were swallowed. So we're broadcasting live uh, from the brand new Dream Life studio in our Dream Life house, what our kids call the Rainbow House, which we'll explain later. Um, right now, I want to say if you want to support the podcast, the best way you can do that 
is by joining our Patreon at the level that you can afford. We've got exclusive content on there. We're going to have a whole bunch of more exclusive content on there. And it's a really great way to get behind the scenes access to our life, support us in doing what we're doing. Uh, we're pretty vulnerable on the podcast and on Instagram and TikTok, but we're even more vulnerable over on the Patreon. And you can also see the elusive Dr. M's face only on the Patreon. Thanks for that, baby. You're welcome. <laughs> he's, he's, so, he's so sexy. People tell me all the time that they join just to see how hot you are. Yeah, so you can join our Patreon. That's a great way to support us. And also check out, we've got a lot of workshops, e-courses. E-courses are the new thing. We've got e-courses that you can download um, available at remodellove.com. We've got the reluctant polyamorous. What's what's that about, Detti? That is for those who kind of discover that they're polyamorous a little bit later in their journey. But they know for sure that they are not necessarily monogamous either. Yeah, so the reluctant polyamorous is a journey from monogamy to secure polyamory is the tagline. And it's kind of about your journey as you're in this couple where one of you is very enthusiastic about being polyamorous. That's me. And you are the reluctant one. And you knew that you weren't monogamous, but you also struggled. Right. I mean, right off the top, you know, oh, okay, you know, having sex with one person for the rest of my life. That sounds like kind of a raw deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know, that, I know that that's probably not going to pan out ultimately. Like, that feels pretty safe. Um, uh, but, but also, like, polyamory, that sounds, like, freaky because... I think there are so many possibilities that it's it's overwhelming to the person who's uncertain to whereas someone who feels more naturally attuned, then it's it's exciting. Yeah, so this reluctant polyamorous workshop is actually a brilliant PowerPoint presentation slash lecture that you gave live and corresponding workbook. Um, we also have Rituals for Connection, which is helping polyamorous partners creatively foster security. So if you notice that you are feeling disconnected from your partner or partners, I am so proud of this fucking course. It is our best selling course. I get emails about it all the time about how um, just beautiful the course is and actually how brilliant and helpful it is. It does what it's meant to do. And hopefully we'll talk to you guys about your experience with the workshop. So. Absolutely. Well, there are so many different eras to our lives before we did any of this stuff. And I love that you get to incorporate things like some of your, you know, spiritual background training. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think there's more of that coming. I feel the spirit to telling me to do that. And I'm in a little bit of resistance and fear. Um, and then I just released... How to Throw a Sex Party, Even a Neurodivergent Demisexual First-Timer Would Love, <laughs> which is also selling pretty well. It's really funny. There's a lot of personality in that course. Um, that course was uh, created as a joke. Well, um, a big festival reached out to me and asked me to pitch them all of my current workshops, and I just made that one up, and then they booked it. And then I was like, well, better create it. And so it's great. It's super fun. And yeah, and so we've got more workshops coming up. So those are all the ways you can support us. But right now, let's catch people up on our lives. So I guess we should start at, um, you know, Meet Mama Ash. That episode, like, introduced us to Ash. They come to the orgy. They decide these people need help. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. What was, re-explain your impetus for moving out here. 
I mean, I think it was just like a combination of so many things, like just a childhood, a childhood dream to move west. Um, and then I just, I just felt really spiritually called to being out here. What Jess and Joe were looking for was like all the same things I have been looking for and talking to my friends about. So literally like when things started to get more serious, I'm like, oh, wait a second. We seem really aligned in all of these ways in a way that felt like it would be like a big regret of my life if I didn't try it, Mm -hmm. like try a container of it. Yeah, and I remember at one point you said to me, too, that just as a village member, like, wanting to help two drowning nuclear family parents who were struggling with neurodivergent kids and a medically complex kid, you felt called to help us. Totally. Survive that. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, oh, my goodness, I'm the perfect candidate. Take me. You really are, and I truly give, like, the fact that I'm still on this planet, like, you really saved my life for real, sis. Um, yeah, and brought that nested polycule dream to reality, and you got here, and a little bit later, I went through a breakup, mm-hmm. and you drove around with me as I listened to my breakup playlist. Those are some of my favorite moments, just, like, silent in the car, listening to, like, breakup playlists. I was thinking about the passage of time, weirdly, on this front, just side point, that one of the last podcasts episodes we attempted was with Ja. And then it weirdly never got produced. Isn't that weird? That is weird. And then here we are a year later into this relationship with Dr. M. And it's just crazy how much time has elapsed already. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, so I go through this breakup with Ja. We did try to record an episode with him. It was a great episode. It, it was actually, awesome. It actually breaks my heart that the sound was fucked up on that episode to the point that we could not release it. Oh, no. Um, yes, and... John and I are still really good friends, and he actually just texted me tonight. And oh, I love him so much, and I love his heart, and I just I love the conscious death that we walked through together, mm-hmm. and the just that he did that with me, and in walking and facing that death, I was given new life. And so I'm on these apps, and I'm having these like horrible connections. Why are there so many fucking creeps? Really creepy folk. An abundance of creeps. There are so many creeps. And I just was like creep after creep after weirdo. And I was like, I got one more date and then I'm calling it. This is a sign that I do not need to be dating right now. And um, I went on this date with this really cute nerdy boy who was asking me about improv and our texting. And he had just gotten his PhD. And so I was like, I'm going to call him Dr. M. And then you stuck around for a long time, and now that's just your character name. Yep. <laughs> Can't be rid of me. No, oh, I would never. Um, so as when everyone makes a, new appearances on the podcast, we have to paint a picture of, of them. One, because it's audio, and two, because we like people to know like the identity that you're walking with, you know, so they can examine it at the intersections of everything that you talk about. Race, gender class, history, you know, did you grow up with money, those things? Mm-hmm. I, to most of the world, look like a cisgendered white male. Um, grew up in Northern California and in a lower middle class-ish kind of family and definitely, you know, was not well off, but also not socioeconomically disadvantaged. And um, So, yes, you present able, as a cis white male, but... Yeah. But I do think it's important that you are on a gender journey and you don't relate to your maleness, though you honor the privilege that you walk with. Yeah, that's that's a reasonable way to put it. Um, 
generally like relatively active, relatively able-bodied Finnish build, Mm -hmm. I guess, and... Oh. so annoying this motherfucker walks around like eating chipotle and fucking fast food and is like cut out of wood yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when right after we started dating i just remember you were like signed up to run this marathon or something and you're like i don't know i haven't been training i don't know and then you ran it off the couch <laughs> <laughs> it's only 20 miles who just runs 20 miles off the couch? Literal couch to marathon, but without all the like eight week trainings in between. Yeah. Well, I was, I was, I mean, I'd been inactive for like what, two or three months, but, or maybe a little more, but I had been trained before that up to, you know, yes. like I could run You're, multiple 30 mile days and stuff like that. So You're an outdoorsy person, which is an enigma how I ended up with two of those in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Similarly, in Enigma, how I ended up with yet another air sign. You're an Aquarius mm-hmm. in your late 30s. And um, actually, Dr. M and our oldest have the same sun, Aquarius, and the same moon, Capricorn, which explains so much about their relationship. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, neurodivergencies. Uh, we have them. Yes. <laughs> the tisms. <laughs> yeah. I... I don't really feel a strong need to label it. I'm diagnosed with ADHD for what that's worth. And, you know, it's a whole constellation of things. And I have lots of fun pieces out of that constellation of things and don't have some other pieces. And, you know. The ADHD in this household is real. Dati doesn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What an experience. I think that's its own (laughs) podcast episode. We'll just shelve all of that material for a future date. Yeah. God bless you for living with us. Um, You've been kind of a monogamish your whole life. I don't mean to speak for you. I am just trying to help you a little bit. I'm just being shy. Okay. Um, Is it okay that I'm helping you along? Yes, of course it is. Um, Yeah. No, I was in relationships that were functionally monogamous, but especially with one of my partners in recent days, just open to the idea. Yeah. philosophically and actually going way back with other partners just philosophically aligned but not practicing yeah for lack of community or exposure or whatever but it came so naturally to both of you yeah 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 i think the the philosophical alignment is real like mm-hmm. there's so many other factors that that influence someone's ability to move into non-monogamy in the weird cultural context that we have around monogamy but i do feel like that initial like alignment made a a big difference yeah and it was one of those things where i was like i don't want to date a newbie but i met you and i was like you're not a newbie like in your soul you know yeah it made sense and i i mean i spent you know over a decade you know decades two decades kind of thinking about it and aligned in that way so it wasn't yeah yeah. It wasn't like something I was coming to. I feel like I deconstructed a lot of what I needed to deconstruct around monogamy. And, Absolutely. So. I knew that from our first date. Yeah. And on our first date, <laughs> I have people play this like what is obviously a very neurodivergent game because I'm awkward on first dates and I don't know how to get through them. And so I created this game. And really, it's like a double test because anyone not willing to play that game with me sucks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> true and can i just state that if someone that if i was on a date with someone and they brought this game i would be 
won over immediately. Aww. Yeah, I totally was. And he was, was adorable. Because <laughs> at the end, he looks at me and he's like, you're fucking delightful. Mm-hmm. That's what he told me. You're fucking delightful. And I was like, eh, I'm going to marry that man. Keeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you going to rat me out for not doing my homework? You always do. Yes. So he did not do his homework to prepare for the game, which was like minus 10 points. But honestly, the second you adored me, it was fine. <laughs> also, he's an academic. It's in his nature just to procrastinate and not yeah. do the work. Oh, God, absolutely. And the AGSG, which that, that whole journey has been happening right alongside this relationship. So that's the, right. So the we, neurodivergence yeah. uh, recognition and yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But no, I have to say that I just misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> it was not it was not a willful or procrastinate. I just didn't understand that I was intended uh-huh. to come up with questions. I just thought you had these questions that were like already developed in a spreadsheet or something and then we just went back and forth with them. Mm, but if you went back and read the text, it was clear. Oh, it's I'm sure fine. it was. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and then I came home and I was like, I don't know, sis. He has too many green flags. Yeah, so I definitely I mean Sis gave me the credit for saving her life in the last year. I definitely saved this relationship. She's like, it's too healthy. There's something wrong because it's so good. And I'm like, Jess only likes twin flame plane crashes. Hey, yes. I mean, I can relate, you know, as a fellow (laughs) previously addicted to chaos, addicted to unhealthy, addicted to people who are going to like fuck your heart up so bad. But you're like, oh, I kind of want it. Mm-hmm. Let me fix you, Beauty and the Beast. Let me tame the beast. <laughs> there must be something there. <laughs> well, I just remember right. in these twin flame situations, right? Like you would come at me with this very frantic energy. Like, oh, you're going to love it. You're going to be brothers. And it would just be like this very kind of ungrounded excitement. Whereas with Dr. M and also with Ja too, there was this kind of questioning because it was slow burn and calm and that's when i was feeling good vibes from the start i was like cool this has potential that's a fair fucking read (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah no i've earned that read that's for sure (laughs) if anyone's earned that read 15 plus years so, yeah, so when we met, um, you had a nesting partner. She's great. We love her. And you guys navigated denesting because not every partnership is meant to live together. And I think that that's so important for people to know. Mm-hmm. And some people live polyamory best as a solo poly person. Um, so you guys were facing the end of your lease when we met. And you guys leaned into that. And from there, it's a relationship that has not been consented to to be talked about on the platform, which I love. I love that there's a boundary there. And thank you for that boundary. Yeah. Yeah, that's all nice and interesting. Tell us what happened, Dr. M. We need to know. (laughs) New comment. (laughs) Yeah, but people just assume that it's polyamory drama. And I'm like, yeah. It's not polyamory drama. Not everybody wants to be on the fucking platform. Sometimes we just don't want to talk about stuff, be it positive, negative, neutral. Yeah. So, yes, you have other relationships and that will, you know, all will be revealed in due time, but people can get off our fucking nuts. (laughs) I'm salty because shit went down on Instagram today, but it's so funny, the assumptions that people make. Hilarious. Yeah. Like, I love your platform i think it's amazing i'm so stoked that you're modeling this for people i'm 
more than less excited to be a part of it, but I'm not a social media poster. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, you know, it's just not my jam. And I'm, as you can tell, maybe a little awkward and uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I'm not looking to really be the, the poster child here. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm happy in my supporting role. So. And I love that, you know, when we, when I meet people, I don't say anything until the first date, at which time if I want to talk about the first date, I'll say, hey, I have a large social media platform where I capture my life. Is that okay with you? There's no expectation of you to be involved. However, I might not date somebody who doesn't want to be involved at all because that would affect my ability to tell my story. I would consider it because I'm always going to choose love. Um, but it's never actually been an issue. Everyone has been so moved by our mission and what we do. And so I'm thankful for the amount that you do show up. I think that everyone loves you. Mm. Everyone loves Dr. M. You're so pumpkin-y. Yeah. So at that point, around the time that you lose your lease, we find out that, um, we were losing our home. Did we even, have we even podcasted? No. Since we found out we were yeah. losing our home. Nope. No. And in fact, I remember eerily talking about needing to get our house in order because we're preparing for the next thing. Or That's right. So we have an exclusive episode on our Patreon from this summer, which is one of the only episodes we got out this last year, where Dr. M is temporarily staying with us while you figure out your next move. Ash is living there because it was like, Okay, let's see what happens when you move in. It's working. It's working. It's working. Okay, it's still working. And so we're living in 1,100 square feet in a 93-year-old home in one of the oldest districts in Reno. And um, we'd been in that home for 13 years. And we are trying to figure out how to fit four adults and two kids into this place. The short line on that whole situation was we were in love with our neighborhood. Or, no, the better line is we loved where our house was more than we loved the house. Yeah. We love the neighborhood more than the actual like structure itself. And there were some interesting blessings with that house. Like um, it had a, 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 a former preschool's playground in the backyard that had been abandoned. So we literally had a like, <laughs> like custom playground in our yard and we had a relationship with our neighbors there was just, there was a lot. And also our, both of our children were literally born in that home. They took their first breaths in that home. There was a lot of emotion in that home. We had thousands of rehearsals in oh, that home. Gosh. How many shows and productions were born in that home? Creative meetings. We housed how many brilliant artists in times of homelessness? Well, and this is why I say the neighborhood's key because a lot of those venues and places we were performing were close by they were literally we were centrally located and that was the house where people were hanging out at yeah i mean we could walk to the gym that i taught at we could walk to every theater the the churches we were going to at the time like it was just clutch yeah yeah it's really nice there's a lot uh a lot for me sentimentally and emotionally to give up walking away from that house for sure. Yeah. More than I was aware of. It was also owned by a nonprofit that had turned it into low income housing when the housing crisis hit. And so in the 13 years we lived there, they had never raised our rent, which was fucking unheard of. And they just really loved us and they cared about us. And so we felt like very unsafe ever leaving that situation. 
Yeah, it's when a nonprofit ends up with property on their hands and they're not property managers. And yeah. so they're just kind of keeping it going. Yeah, and our and they also owned our neighbor's houses and, um, you know, they kept their house low income as well. And they were indigenous, you know, water and land protectors. And so it just felt like important little network of mutual aid that we had. And so we were afraid to take that leap. And then the thing that we knew was coming finally came where our landlord called us. Actually, I got an email. It said, Jessica, call me. And my heart just dropped. And I just knew before I even called. And they tried super, super hard to sell the property next door without also having to sell our home. And they just were unsuccessful for two years. But they tried. They tried. So the home is being likely sold to developers. And uh, we had a little polycule meeting. And we looked at each other like, what the fuck do we do now? Mm-hmm. Because we had been protected. <laughs> For that long right and just for perspective the house that we were in we would probably have paid three times the amount of rent for that house for sure that was in desperate need of renovation mind you and and pretty small and it's not like you had cush surroundings down there ash oh <laughs> i thought you said cush surroundings down your ass and i was like <laughs> what uh, <laughs> took me a second um, you mean in the basement? Yeah. Um, let's just say that, you know, Ash is in love with a family when I am okay living in the basement and happy living in the basement. You Autistically, told me. I'm not in a good place in basements usually. You told me that you loved small space. Whenever I had, like, insecurity that you were unhappy down there, you would always say things about, oh, I've lived in hallways or like crazy things. Oh, I prefer a hallway <laughs> or a small closet over a basement. But you know, you, you got to do things for the people you love. I can't have you worrying every day about me in a basement. I was happy. Well, you were down there with Daddy for the record. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. A little romp room. <laughs> <laughs> with the wood paneling and everything. Yeah, like 70s wood paneling. The old Dream Life studio is our Chica old recording wow. studio. Yeah. It was referred to as the Ripton at one point. We made it pretty homey. Yeah, you guys did. And it was Lou's nursery for the longest time. And then we moved him upstairs. And then, yeah, it became became your guys' room. I remember, like, Ash moved in. And the most the question we got asked the most was, like, what are the sleeping arrangements? What are the sleeping <laughs> arrangements? Like, people's minds were so blown at how three adults could navigate sleeping arrangements. Yeah, well, it's difficult. I think... To their credit, it will probably be, and not that this is necessarily a factor in anyone's mind, but I think if we had a sexual relationship, it would be a very different, like that would be a very tough, that, that, that would be a more challenging hinge situation for I mean, sure. mean, if you and Jess had a sexual relationship. Correct. Yeah, well, we would or even, Or even, to be fair, a more like snuggly kind of dynamic well, we, but we were for sure snuggly right yeah okay i guess not snu- it's there's levels of snuggly huh it's a spectrum it is spectrumy totally well i think that for both of us and i this is what's really interesting for me about our relationship is that you found in dr m what i found in ash something that we had both been wanting respectively for quite some time and had never seemed to find that level of resonance. And so I think for, correct me if I'm wrong, for both of us, there's this measure of kind of happiness for each other, like finally finding that and kind of giving into that, especially when it came to 
like the sleeping arrangements. You know, we paid our polyamory dues because we both found our next like long-term sustainable forever partners at the same time ish. Mm. Right. Yeah. Because (laughs) we would always encounter all these stories, you know, kind of people like Dr. M who they get into polyamory and then suddenly they're already in like a long-term you deal. You motherfucker. He was on the apps for a week before he met me. Right. Right. <laughs> and yeah. We'll talk to people who are like, yeah, so I've been in this, you know, with my other partner for like two years, this and that. And we're like, what? And what is that like? Wait, what? Uh, just that we, <clears throat> we hadn't been in necessarily a long-term like polyamorous oh, relationship. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. So we would hear about people being in these sustainable long-term relationships with more than one partner. And we're like, wow, I've never made it past three months. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would just kind of casually drop that like we've been together like all these years or it would seem like it was more common that way. Yeah. Yeah. So if we had a more snuggly or sexual relationship, we would have done what any emotionally intelligent polyamorous adults would do. We would have created a calendar. Of when you were sleeping where? I want Mondays. <laughs> but but Ash to be decided by a tribunal <laughs> in it. my in my absence, and then it will be my schedule will be handed to me. We we got to get out that polyhedral dice and just see what he, each of us throws. Um, yeah, Ooh, it looks like you rolled the couch tonight, sucker. <laughs> I love a good couch sleep. <laughs> well, and I remember when Ash like first got here, we were trying to do a one to six. You're like, I want to be down there most nights, but I'm not ready to abandon you completely, even though I want to. That, well, that's a that's a you know that's a fair paraphrase. Out of decorum, I will still give you one night, and then on that one night, it's like, what are we doing? You want to go have sex all night long. I actually, we're at the point in marriage where I'm like, I would love the whole bed. (laughs) Yeah, so then we find out we're like losing our home and now we have to enter the normal Reno housing rental market, which is not survivalable with two incomes, (laughs) let alone one. You and I only have one income now. Yeah, where we are living right now would not be possible if it were just me and you. Yeah. And so, I don't know. How did you all feel when we got that news? I think you were relieved. (laughs) I don't know if relieved is the right word for it, but, you know, I wasn't as attached to the old home, Mm -hmm. and I was excited about the opportunity to find somewhere that fit all of us well and our new lifestyle, I suppose. So, yeah, I didn't, you know, I felt more sad for you because of, of your long history and attachment for you and Joe, you know, to that house and the memories and all that. Um, the location was prime. That was cool, but I wasn't as attached to it. I am always a plan B, plan C, plan D, plan Z prepper person. (laughs) I was, had been on the real estate apps from like week one when I moved there every single week. I'm always looking at properties was just talking with a friend like two days before. I'm like, something feels, mm." I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm looking even more for houses. It was weird. So then, yeah, that came up. So like for me, it wasn't a surprise. I was like really, you know, sad and wanted to like hold whatever space I could for my meta and for Joe. 
because there's been a lot of sentiment, like so many memories, so much like beauty, so much pain, like in that house um, that really needed to be like honored. But then we also had to like move pretty quickly to secure something that would work for us. And there wasn't a lot. Um, No. So it was kind of, it was kind of scary. We're seeing like really big dollar signs, like big prices for stuff that just didn't fit the bill. Yeah. Thank you all for stepping up on that front, looking at listings, calling people up, setting appointments, because I was too, like I needed to grieve the house and I couldn't, I like, I was emotionally like, I cannot put any effort onto this. So thank you for doing that because I was incapable. It was right and proper, right? You know, that the two people who like have been in the home for 13 plus years could take time, more time to grieve. I think while the two people who were newer were like, yeah, let's research the shit out of this and make spreadsheets. I was ready to go the second, mm-hmm. like, cause I feel like I was starting to, my spirit knew what was coming. And so I was starting to mentally and emotionally exit the home. I was starting to hate everything about it. Yeah. And then the second that the bandaid got pulled off, I wanted out. Mm-hmm. I, the process, I am, I am our oldest child. Yeah. Like, that's too many sleeps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you're all about, like, solving the problems, too, yeah. like, right away. Like, let's move. You'd had, like, some, like, psychic kind of premonition I of it, too, had. for mm-hmm. kind of a little bit. You were like, something big is coming. Something with the what, Did that or... weird you out when that happened? No. Oh. Because I <laughs> texted Detti one day, like, probably two, three months before saying like you know what before people die they get impending a sense of impending doom impending doom energy and Dati was like oh my god what are you about to say <laughs> yeah no i pictured myself being interviewed or something later like then i knew <laughs> something like our life was about to take a dramatically different direction and i was like, I was like what the that fuck? was just my setup i was like you know how people have a sense of impending doom before they die i have a sense of impending miracle and so i had been saying like there's this impending miracle energy coming it's really intense it's really intense and then that was the news and it it didn't seem like a miracle. I was but I knew in my heart that this must be the miracle. But it just wasn't obvious. Yeah, I really like how we all banded together. Like once we got the news, I feel like we all kind of basically canceled our day and our plans and like we like drove up to a friend's house and that we were house sitting and like for hours just like brainstormed and yeah. We were in the woods, it was really nice. Yeah, and like trying to figure out budget because, you know, knowing that our rent was about to triple, if not more, it actually more than tripled. Yeah. Oh, did it quadruple? Not quite. No, it, it tripled. I mean, it was more than triple. Yeah. Yeah. Like a three point. And three. we had to like negotiate how we were going to work that out. What's it like for you as someone who knew you never wanted kids? don't have the ability to have kids and had planned on living in a nested polycule in your future that had no kids. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge roadblock. I don't remember that being like, you know, it wasn't a non-negotiable and, you know, I think we had a pretty good idea at that point, what our lives looked like in that context of, being around each other all the time in the house, whether I'd officially been living there or not. So, you know, <laughs> I don't, 
I don't know if I have a real straight answer to that, but it just didn't feel like a huge deal. Well, I think that is the answer. I mean, I knew what the answer was. I was setting it up for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you're an amazing, like, aloe parent. And I, you just like dove right into it, even though it wasn't part of your plans. Do you guys know that Dr. M gets a run hug from Shu when he gets home, but I do not get one? Mm-hmm. I get run hugs. What? <laughs> 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 he'll go, daddy, daddy, and then just kind of sheepishly run away. Oh, he'll do these run hugs with me where he's like, sis, and like runs, and then his little leg pops up like it's like a classic movie from like the 1950s or something. Mm-hmm. He is... He is Dr. M. Shu has Dr. M wrapped around his little fucking finger. It's really cute. Their relationship <laughs> is so pumpkin-y and just he lights up when he's home. And yeah. You see these guys like shirtless eating popcorn, watching like mountain biking videos <laughs> <laughs> or something just like palling around like a couple of frat boys. Yeah, there was like one night. That Ash Detti was out of town visiting another partner, and Ash and I had D and D, so we weren't home. And I was like, "All right, this is the first time I'm ever leaving you, just alone." And also, Lucius napped really late. I don't see him going to bed anytime soon. And I we got home hella late. It was like 11 p.m., mm-hmm. and you two were just in bed eating popcorn, watching mountain biking videos. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Yeah, she was the here for it. He was just bopping around like, oh, me and Dr. M. And it was so cute. Yeah. They call him. Everyone wants to know what our kids call you guys. They call you sis and they call Dr. M by his first name, mm-hmm. which we will never reveal. Never. But in the kid spelling pronunciation. Which is the best. And now it's, it's getting cute. it's getting more like real. Like he's not miss saying it mm-hmm. as much. And it's. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah, but Dr. Ang gets these big boisterous greetings and goodbyes, and it's cool. You know, we have a nice big family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what's really interesting is the way that um, you, like, have really comfortable boundaries. And so, like, you – I feel like in a step-parent household, you don't – I don't think I've ever experienced that. I don't know. I mean, I wonder if it exists. I'd be so curious of like in a traditional nuclear family, blended family where there are step parents. Is it weird if the blended step parent has uh, like the boundaries? This is so interesting you say this because a friend of mine, there was this exact discrepancy where she married him he had a couple of kids and there was this kind of gray area of like how much she was expected to kind of like help and they were a little bit older so that's an important factor but they never really i think there was an unspoken expectation and it ended up playing out in a pretty rough way instead of i think for her she wanted to be way less Mm hands-on than the implication of like what you're talking about with the step parent Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's kind of, um, I think that was kind of playing out in that example too. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be hard to navigate. Cause when we met, I was like, listen, not only do I have kids, they're young. And one of them is like, we're trapped in this nightmare. And I painted the picture of this nightmare for you that our toddler had 
chronic ear infections and sleep apnea and that we were not able to get solutions for him and we were fighting for them and that I, that my situation was hell and you like came in anyway. Yeah. I, you know, it just all kind of seemed natural and flowed and it was comfortable and we were conscious about it and communicated and it just didn't, I don't know, never hit like a wall where it was a problem. I mean, you both like both of Ash and Dr. M, like I just, how did we get so lucky, babe? I still to this day do not know. Me and Ash talk all the time about how long it took for me to accept that someone would, could actually like really want this and wouldn't be looking for, because when we deal with the brain weasels or the mind gremlins, it's like mine where that, yeah, how could someone want to be in the midst of this chaos and not be looking for an escape plan? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, I mean, we talked about so much, like I do very much identify with the deconstructing the nuclear family thing and the kind of, to an extent, the mutual aid thing. And I like to support you and, and Joe and the family. Um, and you've made it very easy to have a safe, comfortable role with boundaries and to be, mm-hmm. you know, flexible with that. It's just, it's, it seems really straightforward. If there's something I'm comfortable doing, I can do it. If there's something I'm not comfortable with, it's not required of me. We have plenty of parents with plenty of parenting skills that I don't possess or experience with kids that I don't possess. Well, and you've shared yeah. that not having the pressure to have to has made it what it has allowed you to show up so much. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't have the experience or the temperament or the knowledge to know what to do with the kids in challenging situations, you know, and it's not my role to, which is wonderful. If I had to do that, it would, I guess I'd either figure it out or it would crash and burn. It'd be terrible. Yeah. So one of the reasons the podcast had to take a back seat is because we didn't have a place to podcast, nor did we have the time. And also we were dying because we had not slept in two and a half years. And if you, only listen to this podcast and you don't follow us on Instagram, you might not know that we finally, finally broke through the fucking system and the pulmonary, the leading pediatric pulmonary specialist at the biggest pediatric hospital in Reno saw what she needed to see despite one of the most traumatic events of my life, which was a failed sleep study in fucking Las Vegas. Oh, God. You know, there's nightmarish. So many, there's so many interesting stories we oh, could so tell. Bullshit. Yeah, if we mm-hmm. had a consistent podcast at the time, and so so many of these anecdotes will just probably never be told. That would have been its own podcast. Um, and then the pediatric pulmonary specialist started fighting for us, even without the sleep study that insurance required. And then finally, our ENT saw a video because we created a discord channel where we uploaded videos of our toddler struggling to fucking breathe in his sleep and she saw what she needed to see and he had his third surgery where they fixed his ear tubes now for the third time and took his tonsils out and our lives have changed drastically i was trying to recount the timeline of surgeries was the adenoidectomy also in 2023, was that March, I want to say? It was the, yeah, the, the ear tubes went in in December of 22. Adenoids came out March of 23. Tonsils came out October 23. Right, because I kind of want to do like 2023. Let's review <laughs> two surgeries. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. um, moving. You know, I left my job. Yeah. Um, Dr. M had just a lot of like moving and just crazy career like plot twists that were really unpredictable. Yeah. And just, yeah, for me, it's been a process of like in life, oh, you're running a 5K, go run your 5K. You get to the end of the 5K. Oh, wait, no, you got another you know, another 5k to run. So keep on going. And when, you know, you're running at a fast rate in that kind of race. This is a silly analogy no, for a non-running podcast, great. but all of a sudden I've run a marathon thinking that each one is a 5k and running at a really fast 5k pace when you would have paced it and done it very differently if you knew you were running mm-hmm. a marathon. And so mm-hmm. here I am a little bit, a little bit exhausted in complete burnout. I mean, you oh, got yeah. your PhD and then we're launched into an ultra marathon that you thought was a 5k yeah it's it's been a time like energetically yeah Um, i mean meeting you guys made it and like forming our family and getting shoes medical needs met and now he can fucking sleep and we can all sleep yeah has been the miracle and has what has made it the best year of our lives but it was also the worst because we have all been going through family trauma, mm-hmm. work trauma, mm-hmm. <laughs> relationship trauma. Preach. <laughs> and and just the process, like we didn't sleep for most of 2023. That surgery didn't happen till October. And so, and even now he doesn't sleep great, but it's like normal not sleeping great. Yeah. And then finding out we were losing our home. And yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. And then just the miraculousness of, like you were saying, he got that surgery. They, you know, the doctors finally came through and, and were on our side for that. And, you know, I don't know if we quite tied up the housing conversation with a neat bow, but the process of finding the new house, despite the uncertainty of it and despite the increased cost was shockingly straightforward in a it's, lot of ways yeah. that was that that miracle energy really coming through we found it within like three weeks well right? no we found jess and i found the listing the night that we got told that the other house was going away i, I think like that we have we have the application in like within that. a couple days yeah, of that yes yeah. and you know, there were pieces of the process that took a little yeah. bit. It was, I think, yeah, three weeks till yeah. we, like, had it kind of confirmed. Side on scene, we weren't able to go tour the house or see the house except for driving by it outside. Yeah. And so we took the leap. Didn't we move here, like, just, like, a week 
and a half after that surgery. Yeah, yes. October, yeah, like October was a weird, <clears throat> no, so weird. like gay Jesus was just like, all right, day lovers, here's a bunch of change and it's all miraculous. It's all miracles, but you, it's like birth. There is life on the other side, but the actual birth process was really fucking stressful. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, like, because, yes, he had his surgery, but I wouldn't say he was healed until, really, Mm -hmm. until we moved in. So it's Mm -hmm. like we moved in and he healed, and it was like, wow, Mm -hmm. what the fuck? Yeah, because he had the surgery, week and a half later, we move into the house, like, also that week, I got off orientation at work, so it was, like, practicing, like, independently. Dr. M has all his work crazy stuff going on. Like, it was just, it was a wild time, October. Yeah, and like finding this house, it was the night we found out we were losing the house, I had this weird like, I can't go to bed until I just look. Because once my Sagittarius ass is excited about a new house, I'll be fine. So I was like, let me just go find a bunch of houses that that I'm excited about and then I'll like switch train tracks. And so we, this was literally the first house I clicked on and we're like, wow, this house is perfect. Oh my God, there's two primary bedrooms. What are the odds of that? That's two a poly masters. house. That's a poly house. What the hell? Oh my God, the location is amazing. What are the odds? That's like one location we were actually open to. And then there were all these like kind of weird little um, Easter eggs from Spirit pointing to that like this was our house. Like weird similarities it had with our old house that I won't mention because our privacy is important, but things that are like, well, that is not a normal coincidence. And, um, and then Turkey. Yeah. Turkey had, we told Turkey that we had to move in Turkey's powers. He has the power of clairvoyance and prophetic dreams. And our little Turkey, um, said that he had a vision in his mind that came to him at nighttime that our how our new house had a big rainbow in it and um when we drove by we had seen that the neighbors of this house had a giant gay rainbow flag in their yard um in the spot between our two houses and we were like holy shit that's the rainbow so that's why we call it the rainbow house. thus dubbed the rainbow house yeah it was so cute i took the kids on a few uh drives up to the house before we could move in because we had like signed everything but we couldn't move in for a ridiculously long time it felt like mm-hmm. um and every time they'd be like we're going to the rainbow house hi rainbow hi house. rainbow house we just sit on the street like little creeps hi, no one lived in it don't worry yeah <laughs> and so yeah we couldn't even tour it we had to run it sight unseen and it was a total act of faith and it has like i have never looked back it was this weird kind of ghost-like energy of feeling really connected to the house but not physically being able to walk inside was like very difficult to not be able to do that so it really was kind of like taking it on faith yeah yeah so we each have a primary bedroom with our partners and the kids have this gorgeous room and we're in the guest room slash recording studio slash office Slash boom boom room. <laughs> Slash ripped in. Mm-hmm. Where we will take our other other partners when we need to rip them. And we have, talk about the kitchen, Ash and Dr. M. <sighs> mm-hmm. So dreamy. It's lovely. Mm. Yeah. I don't, it 
has all the wonderful things I want in the kitchen. Talk and about the stove. The stove is so sexy. The it has stove? It has a six burner gas range and a oven that works and it's <laughs> relatively accurate. <laughs> well, you don't like your pizzas burned <laughs> in 10 minutes instead of 16? 50 degrees <laughs> off on the temperature for baking. Yeah, so, I'm getting no, hot just thinking about this oh, stuff. Oh, it's glorious. I love it so much. <laughs> it makes me so happy. This storage is mind-blowingly good in the kitchen yeah, yeah it's the it's it's freshly renovated we were living in a house that had never been renovated and was 93 years old some things like a little utility sink in the laundry room you know yeah. the fact that nice little details the like whole that. house is one temperature some fancy boozy bougie shit our refrigerator has water in it <laughs> that's how you, <laughs> that's know. How you know you made it yeah our kids have a family room with all their shit in it, and then we still have another grown-up living room. Oh, it's so nice, you guys. We're living our dream. We're living our dream. Yeah. Living our millennial dream in our rental. Millennial dream house. Millennials walking around like they rent the place. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so... Yeah. I was trying to think of like your partner in renting crime. <laughs> your millennial partner in renting crime. <clears throat> I mean, and it this, only like takes four adults. This house made possible by four adults. And I do want to say, and this is how we can kind of end the podcast is like, um, y'all are supplementing us, which is a, an act of mutual aid and an incredible act of love and partnership. And I don't know. Do you have anything you want to say about that? Because that's a pretty insane thing to do. It was hard to convince y'all initially, even though I feel like Dr. M and I knew from the jump that that would be needed. Like it's it's weird to call it subsidizing because it's just, it just seemed like a fair split. Splitting it equitably so that we all have equitable leftover resources. Like we don't need y'all being rent poor. Yeah, we're just, so that we can save a little bit that frankly is not as much of a fraction of our earnings. Yeah, our income. You know? We kind of did it by income and then also by like what feels good. So yeah. by income in what feels good, Dr. M and I are paying a little bit more. Um, it's which not I feel exorbitant. It's not exorbitant. I feel very form. comfortable with. It is still right in the range of what I'd be paying yeah. for it's, a one bedroom. Yeah. No, like, it's less than less. Be paying for a one bedroom somewhere that was nice enough and safe. I think these are all like really interesting conversations that were had like polyamorously. When looking at a house, what do we all want? What's important? Mm-hmm. What are our sort of top needs? And how do we kind of like balance that with what we should be paying? etc i think it's like really interesting stuff yeah yeah and some of that was balanced in terms of like you know what yeah what do you all need like to me um storage space for outdoor gear and things was important a garage was really important not as important to others i'm happy to you know contribute more to have that amenity i'm happy i think we played that game quite a bit yeah well i'm happy to contribute more from like Quality time with the people I love is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I only have to work three days a week. I'm not really interested in my partner and Meta paying a bunch more and then busting ass working two jobs or something and I never see y'all. So I'm like, yeah, mm, yeah. that's a no brainer for me. Mm. And and when you strike it rich and nuclear fusion blows up and you're bigger than all of these uh, terrible, terrible billionaires, hopefully we'll do better things with our money but then, we're just you know, gonna keep growing though yeah but then you know you're welcome to contribute more mm. and i really feel like um you know you guys doing that is an investment 
in nuclear fusion and an investment in me and Joe and Remodeled Love and our kids and that they have a calm, nested life with parents who aren't always gone working. Like the four of us are really raising our kids and um, we're hitting the hour mark here. So I want to wrap it up, but I really do want to encourage folks to go get on the Patreon because we are going to start doing a lot more exclusive episodes now that we got the recording studio set up. Thank you everybody for being a part of that. And I think um, on the next exclusive episode, I would love to dive deeper into the dynamics of living together. I want to dive deeper into um, this topic we were talking about, about boundaries and blended families and step parents, because ours is really effortless and we don't think twice. And I want to talk about the way that Ash, oh, Ash, you had such a, you had a moment with our kids yesterday. I don't know if I'll ever be able to put into words where I was like, this is not a stepmom. This is a mother. This mm. is, this is not sis. Like, oh, it makes me emotional thinking about it. But it was, it was when, um, no, you know what? We'll save it for the exclusive episode. But oh my God, I, my heart was just like, oh, oh shit. And it was so simple. It was such a simple vignette but I was like whelmed I was like washed with this baptism of yeah girl you tell me Mm. um but yeah and like how you each actually have a very different way that you show up and I want to like talk about that and how amazing it is and how effortless it is and I think it's really interesting um and also we're gonna be talking about this is the perfect way to end um, we're going to be meeting Dr. M's parents soon on the podcast because they're so excited I am for that so episode. Excited for you all to meet them. Um, we got to come up with pseudonyms. They said they didn't need them, but just for your protection, we're going to come up with pseudonyms. Okay. But um, I'm so excited for you all to meet them because they are the sluttiest little duo that you've ever heard. They are a hoot. They, oh my goodness. You're not going to ever want us to be your podcast hosts after they come on. <laughs> we're going to be the guests after that. They're going to be the hosts. And they're like, we're, Jess, we're ready. We're ready. And I'm like, listen, I haven't even introduced your son yet. Okay. We got to get your son introduced so people have context for his swinger parents when they come on. Oh my God. It's going to be fucking amazing. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Please join the Patreon. And uh, yeah, we love you very much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Fall in love just a little, little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new.